what these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. What's good, my people? Welcome into Buckets, Action Network's daily NBA betting podcast. We're in the workshop. This is the Monday edition, NBA playoff edition. I'm your host, Sean Little. I'm back with my guy, J.D., Joe Delera. I'm filling in for Matt Morris. You know, I, the, I was the obvious call when J.D.'s on Mondays. You know what I'm saying? So I had to come <laughs> hang out. And my guy, Jim Turvey. Fellas, we have a couple interesting games we have game four, Miami Heat, New York Knicks. And, of course, we have game four, the Lakers, Warriors, both coming off of tough losses for the Knicks for um, the Golden State Warriors. They got absolutely torched. You know the deal. We'll give our best bets over at FanDuel. That's where we're getting our numbers from, our guys that always hold us down. We'll give our best bets. We'll give our caps, and we'll get out of here start the week off right. Joe Delera. Where are you going on this beautiful Monday in the NBA? So I got my guy, Julius Randle. He's going to go over eight and a half rebounds. You can get that at plus money right now, which is just, it's great, especially in this game that I think is a must. It's obviously a must win for the New York Knicks. And I'm actually going to lay the points with the Lakers and I'm going to take the Lakers minus three. JD sticking a fork in the Golden State Warriors. Turvey, what are you looking at? Yeah, I got a couple of player props uh, for the East Coast game. I'm going Mitchell Robinson under 15 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. And I'm going to, the line's not fully out. I think it's going to be out around nine and a half. I'm be looking at Isaiah Hartenstein over nine and a half points, rebounds, and assists. Those two are kind of tied together. We'll, we'll talk that through. Um, and then the late game, I'm doing more of a side in the total. I'm looking at the Warriors. I'm thinking money line, and I'm thinking about an under as well. Um, we were talking a little bit before the show. Um, there's some angles there that I think Joe and I are, are similar, but different um, <laughs> the angles of that game. We'll talk that through. No official play for me, but I do have a lean. I have to go over 206 and a half in the Miami Heat, New York Knicks game. That number, I, I believe, is too low. I think it's a funky game, this game four in both the East and the Western Conference. Not an official, but that is a lean for me. Joe Delaire, let's get into it. Let's talk Julius Randle over eight and a half rebounds at plus money. Look, so this is a spot where I really like Randall. He's gone over this line in four of six games against the Miami Heat, including both games uh, so far this series that he's been able to play in. He's got 12 and he's got 14 this series. The eight and a half, I, it's just a little, it's just it's just low. Like the Miami Heat, they're a decent rebounding team, uh, like relatively. Um, they obviously, they really try to clear to stop you from getting offensive boards, but they do tend to just drop back and they want to get back on defense and you're allowed to get those defensive boards. So Randall, he's going to have those opportunities. I think that in this spot, he's playing as many minutes as he can really handle. And we're seeing that that ankle, the more you play on it, the more you're going to get into a rhythm, the little you're going to get a little bit more comfortable. And I think that this is a must win game. There's been a lot of talk about how he needs to be more aggressive and like the mentality he had in the last game, wasn't it still had 14 boards. So like, I think that he's going to be able to clean the glass here. I I don't hate looking at laddering this prop either uh, considering the number of minutes that he's had and 
the rebound chances that he's had as well. So at eight and a half and plus money, I'm absolutely in. Yeah, 14 boards, four offensive rebounds. As a whole, they had 48 boards. The Knicks, the the Heat had 50 in an ugly clunker type of game. Hey, man, listen, Julius Randle can go and get double-digit rebounds anytime he wants to. Now, if he's engaged and, and, and has that want to go get it done, he can get it done. And, and it's one of those things where I always say this, especially like a guy's about like Anthony Davis. And sometimes I'll say it about like a guy like Wiggins. You're going to have bad games. I really don't care if you have bad games. Don't be disengaged though. Don't be running up and down and not active. I rather, I much rather see guys go two for 17 than one for six, two for six and have no impact on the game whatsoever. Like Marcus smart or not. This guy impacts the game tremendously every single time he's on the floor, regardless if he has it going on the offensive end, uh, defensively, if he's flopping or not. His name is always getting talked about. He's always involved. And Julius Randle and getting double-digit boards is just something that he has to want to do. And in a spot like this, I agree with you, J.D., in a a bounce-back game, must win, get some momentum to try to get back to New York, uh, he should be able to pick up uh, at least double-digit boards, in my opinion, as well. Uh, Turby, any any thoughts on Julius Randle and picking up, cleaning up the glass a little bit? Yeah, I like that. I even like mixing in the points and assists. He's averaging about five assists a game this series. I I'm with you. I think that with Randall, it, it does sometimes. I think you know sometimes we can read into effort when it's not there. But with Randall, it really does seem like it's a thing that kind of can come and go. Down to one on the road. You know, if they're all they're they're looking all right. If they if they kind of come out of Miami looking two two now to best of three, um, you know, with you having home court. So I think Randall's gonna be here for this game. And it kind of ties into the overall cap um that I've got on my plays as well, is that Mitchell Robinson's minutes are going down. Um, if you look at the first three game, first three games of this series, so game one, he had 33 and a half minutes, game two, 20. Game three, he only played 14 minutes. Um, Hartenstein was out there for a fair amount. That's that ties into you know the play I've got. But Randall, that means more minutes for Randall as well, and more, and much more importantly, more more rebound opportunities. When when Mitch isn't out there, I mean he's he's the the top rebounder in Knicks for a reason. He, he's big, takes up size. If he's not there, that's a lot of extra rebounds. These games have been ugly. There's been a lot of rebounds up for grabs. Um, yeah, I, I really like the Randall play. Um, and, and, you know, kind of, kind of ties into the, the PRA under on Mitch. Cause I just, I don't see the minutes swinging back the other way. I don't think he's going to go much below 14. I don't think we, you know, I don't think he's going to be full MIA or, uh, or like coaches, not no decision or whatever, but I think, I think we get a lot of Randall. I think we got a lot of heart and sign. That was kind of my cap for game three. Uh, I did the same play Mitchell under and heart and sign over the, the Mitchell hit, the Mitchell was no question. It, it cleared by a lot. Hartenstein somehow played 26 minutes and he scored zero. Didn't even take a field goal attempt. It was crazy. About <laughs> not having a presence in the game. But I, I I think the process was solid. His minutes were there. I think they're going to be there again in game four. So I, what I really like of my play is the Mitchell. That's probably the, the one of the two that's the full play. Um, but Hartenstein, you know, he's getting the minutes. The question is, you know, how aggressive he's going to be taking shots and whatnot. But he shoved more than three rebounds in 26 minutes. Um, I think that was kind of a, a one-off. Uh, you see the game before, he had nine rebounds in, in his 26 minutes. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, my play actually kind of ties perfectly along with Joe's. I think we have a, a similar vision for for how the Knicks rotation uh, looks during this game. J.D., talk to me about the Lakers. Uh, I get the feeling before we hopped on, you said, man, Golden State might be finished here. This is a good spot for the Lake Show to continue to roll. Talk to me about why you like a minus three here. 
Dude, I mean, we've been talking about this, right? We're talking about the everybody's talking about the free throw disparity and stuff. It's like the Warriors don't take shots that generate free throws. This is nothing to talk about. Like this, that's just what they do. So, and the Lakers, what they're able to do, and this is the thing, and I, I kind of talked about it in some of my previews, uh, especially the prop pieces and stuff like that. But one of the angles that I was talking about, I said Anthony Davis is the key to this series, and we're really seeing that, right? Where he's he's doing his zigzag with his performances, and you know his AD alternating days to steal everybody else's joke over there. But you know he's been. <laughs> He's been very good. And the thing about AD is that he allows the Lakers to play high drop. And it's it's something that not everybody is able to do. There's really only a couple teams in the league that can run something like that. And it's like talking about playing drop coverage against Steph Curry and the Warriors sounds insane. But when you're doing this, it looks kind of like hedging, but it's not hedging. And you're able to, AD is basically able to, you know, sit back a little bit, but he's able to help around screens or things like that, where he can get up fast enough because he's so quick and he's so long and he's really got an incredible jumping ability. Right. But then he can also deal with Steph or anybody that's driving in at the same time. So he has this unique skill set that there isn't really a counter, in my opinion, to this. The counter last game that the, the Lakers took was they had been running Vando, the Vando's vault, right? It was They were trying to put Vando on Curry, and that didn't work because he really just isn't fast enough. They wound up putting Schroeder on him, and I, it's part of why I like a Schroeder prop later too that I can get to, but they started putting Schroeder on Curry because he's fast enough, and they put it Vando on Draymond Green. And that's really tightened up what the Warriors can do offensively because they they there's they're, the Lakers are throwing so much speed at them along with having AD basically being being like a kind of like a being that high drop and he's putting this defensive look that is very difficult for Golden State to deal with because they're just you know they're all like a little bit older they're all getting like a half step slower and all those things matter here where the Lakers AD is really looking like the best player in the series and they've defended Curry well he's actually only gone over 30 points i think once this season versus the Lakers so this is a great spot for this Lakers team i'm struggling to see the personnel adjustments that Steve Kerr can make to really fix this situation because there isn't a per, there isn't a personnel counter to Anthony Davis there just isn't one if he like Julius Randle if he wants to play and is going to play at that elite level there's no counter for him he just is like he's going to be the best player in the series and I think that the Lakers kind of have found something and while Kerr is a great coach and I expect him to try to make some adjustments I still don't think that there's enough that they can do to kind of bounce the Lakers in the spot. So I'm comfortable laying the three. We all know about the trends about teams winning and covering and yada, yada, yada. So I'm okay with laying the three points here. And uh, I think this is a great spot for the Lakers. 83-39 is the series free throw disparity. But I agree with JD. They don't go, they don't create offense. That's not how they play ball. They're not trying to get to the line. When they're playing their best form of ball, the free throw line is doesn't. It's not a major factor when it comes down to it. One thing that's interesting about the Anthony Davis thing is the the, the alternating games is clear, and it has been for the last I don't know a couple of weeks, right? Yeah. For this series in particular, though, he shows up massive in game one. They get the W in game two. I think they packed it in early. And they didn't get a, yeah, they were terrible. They packed it in early, and he was he was bad to start. But it, 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 it didn't hold as much weight as 
it's gonna if it, if if he does it in game four at home in a spot where they can go up three one. I expect yeah. Anthony Davis to come out and take care of business. Turby, any thoughts on Lakers minus three AD the the series overall? Yeah, so I'm on I'm on the other side of this um, for the spread, but I'm, I want to start with the total because it kind of ta- it ties to what Joe is saying because I, I think Joe really did a great job breaking that down. I, th- I think he he really did pin down that there there aren't a whole lot of adjustments that the Warriors can make on the offensive side of things other than you know make some more shots. Um, but here's here's the thing. I don't think the Lakers are going to continue to shoot like they did in game three. I don't see um, D'Angelo Russell making five threes again. I don't see it kind of snowballing like it did. That's why my favorite play for the game is the under, because I do think Ham and the Lakers have figured out a little something that, like you said, they've, they've guarded Curry well all season. Um, so I'm, I'm going with the under there. I am my, my warriors side of it is honestly a little bit more of a big picture thing. Um, I, I went into these two games in LA. I, I, the, the plan both from the very start was to bet the Warriors both games as dogs and hope they split. I think there's still a good chance they split this this series. This is you know this is maybe not as as good of a you know uh, X's nose breakdown as Joe just had, but from a big picture sense, these are two teams that just aren't super consistent. They they don't have back to back nights. They kind of you know they pack it in early. We saw Warriors packing in early game three, Lakers in game two they've got a big picture concept of this and they know when not to burn out. I could easily see the Warriors coming out and doing the opposite of game three. And suddenly we're like, wait, wasn't the, it, it just, there's no consistency, consistency night to night with these guys. And I, I came into this, these games three and four in LA saying, I'm going to bet Warriors money line, both games. I'm going to stick with it for now. It's probably more of a lean because it, it did look like the, the Lakers figured some stuff out. Um, but I think from a, a big picture thing, I think this is, you know, if, if, the Warriors can keep the Lakers off the line a little bit. It doesn't have to be that the Warriors are getting to line more. Just get that, you know, at least in the ballpark so you're not getting outscored by 20 at the free throw line. Um, I think there is a route to 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 tying this up 2-2 and, and heading back to, to, uh, to Golden State. Lakers have gone over in five straight. So that, that trend goes against you a bit, but it, it could be a time for regression. This is – both of these game fours are very – that's why I, I'm – I'm going to sit back and just watch. I'm really interested to see how both of these go because I could see, just like you were laying out, J.D., I could see the Lakers folding these guys up and and then we're back to having the same conversation of, yeah, I mean, the Warriors are really bad at home. They don't have enough They don't have enough offense. And if they're not True, knocking yeah. down a bunch of threes, then what are we even talking about? And I could also see the, the championship narrative, the Steve Kerr made adjustments. And Curry scores 35, <laughs> AD doesn't play that well. And then it's 2-2 going back to the, the worst place to for a crowd to watch a basketball game, San Francisco, California. Then in game four as well on the flip in Miami, I could see Jimmy Butler and those guys just wearing these dudes out defensively, knocking down big timely shots, Jimmy Butler being himself. And then we're saying, yeah, the Knicks, you know, great season very successful, but the heat culture prevailed. So I could see a little bit of both on each side and I could see the Knicks bouncing back and getting big games from RJ again. Uh, That was one of the, how do I say this in in the nicest way possible? That was one of the worst offensive games I've seen in quite a while. The, the, the offensive production out of the Knicks shooting the, there was just no cohesion whatsoever from possession to possession. There was no, 
adjustments being made. It was just a tough offensive game for the Knicks. Probably their worst offensive game of the entire season, I would it say. It was gross. It was yeah. just it was disgusting yeah. basketball, honestly. Like it's tough to watch like as a Knicks fan when we watch some of these things and like the guys there's just not a lot of adjustments, right? And we know that the Knicks play a lot of iso ball, but you can't bust a zone playing isolation it's just it's impossible so we see them shooting these threes and new york has really generated a lot of their offense off offensive rebounds getting those second chance opportunities right and they're taking these open threes and just nobody's making them so obviously losing quickly or like quickly is doubtful so maybe he like it looks like he probably won't play i don't know if that means a little bit more grimes uh, which i don't hate but i honestly like i'm gonna say it I think Evan Fournier needs to get some minutes here. Like the guy is still a knockdown three-point shooter. Let him play a little bit. You just need to open this defense up. Like you have to force them to leave the paint. And he's one guy that if he's actually on the floor, you can't leave him wide open from three. Like he, he's going to go make like five. He's going to shoot like five or, you know, maybe take seven shots and make five of them. And they're all going to be three pointers. Like that's just what he does. And he's not the best defensively, but just put him on Duncan Robinson. Like who cares? Evan Fournier broke the Knicks three point record last season. Yeah. He owns the record for three pointers made in a year for a New York Knicks, Evan Fournier. So yeah, Ooh. I mean, especially against the zone, and if he, and if they see that a ton without quickly, it's it's not a bad look, JD. The only thing I would say, and we were gonna, and we before we hopped on, this is what we were kind of going through. It's tough. Evan Fournier is a is a class individual. Now I'll say this: I went to eighty five percent of the Knicks games this year at the Garden. Evan Fournier gets in tons and tons of work pregame. Yeah. Every game, no matter what, he always gets in work. I always see him doing his thing. So he's the utmost professional and he's ready to go. And if you remember, there was a time earlier in the, like after he got benched and, the, and uh, yeah. Tibbs went to the nine man rotation, he did come out and get some minutes and gave some good minutes, play really well. And then never 100%. saw, he, he hasn't seen the floor since. Yeah. I, like I, I get it. Like I was one of the guys saying like, take him off the floor. Like he's, he's liability in these ways, but in this particular series, like, yeah, like, you're probably not going to see it. If you make it through, you're not going to see him in the next round. It's just not happening, but maybe against Philly, but Philly's not going to happen. So, um, you know, there's that. So, you know, you're looking at that, but in this particular series, I think you, I think you can get some good minutes there, even if it's like 10, 15. Turby. When we get, we get so into the weeds with this stuff. And if you take a, if we just zoom out for a second and look at this series, next down two, one, they're shooting 27% from three. You want to figure out why you're down two, one. That's a pretty big factor in the modern NBA. And yeah, I, I agree with you that Joe, that like this heat team as currently constructed, doesn't have as many guys that can take advantage of an Evan Fournier on the other end. And if, if he's going to be able to at least, you know, stretch the defense, offer at least some sort of a threat and then knock down a few, hopefully, and get that percentage up. I, I agree with you. I think it's time to dust them off and, and just see if, see if it's worth, you know, a little, little Hail Mary here. It's yeah. always worth a look. It's, I don't see why you, you couldn't get him some minutes in a, in a series that points are coming at a premium. Yeah. And yeah. we're only talking a couple jump shots from Fournier that could potentially tilt the game in uh, in the Knicks' favor. Yeah. I, I, I really hope we see a couple Fournier minutes here, but you really never know. Stay tuned. That's going to do it for Buckets, for Joe Delaire, for Jim Turvey. I am Sean Little. We'll see you next time. Don't forget it. Always 
show love to FanDuel because they show love to us holding us down on the Buckets Podcast. For JD, for JT, I am SL. We'll see you next time. Don't forget it. Get Buckets, baby. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.